Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We've been on a series called Living Greater, Expecting More. I, I know God always has more for us. You don't ever want to shortchange yourself. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your marvelous grace, your love, your kindness to each and every one of us. Our ears are open, our heart is receptive. Let us hear what the Spirit is saying to the church today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbors. I'm glad you're here this morning. Pastor Matt has been sharing with us uh, the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to continue this this morning and next week. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, and seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, question, what is the last word of the Old Testament? I'm glad you asked me, Pastor, (laughs) because I'm going to share with you the last word of the Old Testament is found in the book of Malachi, the minor prophet. In chapter 4, verse 6 is the last verse of the Old Testament, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Curse is the last word of the Old Testament. But here's something amazing. The first fully recorded words of Jesus in a sermon begins with the word blessed. How many of you think blessed is better than curse? So Jesus is bringing us a message of blessing and happiness, and he is saying blessed. It's the Greek word makarios, which means blessed and happy. Some translations don't use the word blessed in the Sermon on the Mount, actually use the words happy. So actually, being blessed is happy, and if you're happy, you're blessed. So Jesus is sharing this with you, and we all want to be happy and blessed. How many of you here today want to be happy and blessed? Okay, some of you didn't raise your hand, but uh, you can go on in your misery if you want to. But I want to be blessed and happy. And here Jesus is telling us in this first recorded full sermon that we are blessed instead of cursed. Our world is consumed with happiness, but seldom knows how to find it. We look for it in all kinds of ways. You know, the Beatles had it right. Money can't buy me love. But uh, anyway, we, we, we do like some things in this world, but the world is chasing this elusive thing of being blessed and happy, and the world really has it mixed up. Uh, let me give, give you some examples. The only thing more important than your happiness is mine. Uh, never ask a woman who's eating ice cream straight out of the carton, how's she doing? <laughs> She's probably not happy. Can I get an amen to that? Well, it is true that money can't buy you love and money can't buy you happiness, but you can still feel a lot more comfortable crying in a new Mercedes than an old Ford. When someone says the happiest day of their life was when they got married, they've never had two candy bars fall out of the machine at the same time. Uh, The world says five secrets to happiness for men. Men, are you listening? 
Find a woman who can love you intensely and make you laugh. Number two, find a woman who is beautiful and can cook. Number three, find a woman who listens to you. Number four, find a woman who loves sports and hunting. Number five, five make sure all these four women don't ever find out about each other. <laughs> oh, how do you know we don't walk the way the world walks? We don't look the way the world looks. We don't expect the things the world has. Um, if there's one thing that we know, this Sermon on the Mount is amazing. Some have called it the Christian manifesto. Some said this is the way that we should live as a God person, as a God-called person. It is a life that pleases God. This is the way you live in a counterculture when there's paganism all around. So what the Lord is saying, this is how you live your life. This is how you walk this out day by day by day. And if there's one thing that we know from how Jesus is teaching in this sermon is that he wants you and I to be blessed and happy. And he's going to show his disciples and those who would hear him how to have a very happy and blessed life. So it's not only how the world thinks about happiness. How many of you know we got to put that on the shelf and say, what does God say about my blessed, happy life? How do I get that? How do I achieve that? How do I walk in that? One survey I saw when people were asked, how are you going to face this new year, 2023? Uh, 73% said they're going to face it with optimism and hopefulness. But the other 27 were not. So how many of you know we're expecting more? We're going to live better. We're going to see more. We're going to achieve more because we are looking in faith. And we're walking in the faith of Almighty God. So the place is a mountain, and this place uh, is called in the Greek oros, which means an elevated place. It's interpreted, uh, translated mountain, uh, mountaintop, hill, and certainly it's an elevated place. I don't think it's a mountain like we would think of Pikes Peak, but in the picture of this location, in this general location, it's where Jesus gave the message. We don't know exactly where it was at, but we know it was a place that he was elevated and people had to come to him. Matter of fact, in, in this place, uh, it, it's um, amazing. They have a church there called the Church of the Beatitudes. Matter of fact, some of us have been there and it's beautiful and it is a place where it's elevated over the Sea of Galilee. It's by Capernaum. And there at Capernaum, they would minister and teach a lot. And you can see the Sea of Galilee back behind it. And Jesus would go up on the hillside up very high. And there, there was a space of over 10,000 people could gather in that one place where he could teach them. But um, if you are looking at this place, you had to realize that when he was seated and he began to speak, ears opened and they heard the eternal words of Christ. Matter of fact, we still use this terminology today because rabbis, when they taught, they were seated. And if you've ever been to a university and maybe there's a professor or someone who's over a department, we say they chair that department. Have you ever heard that word? They chair that. Matter of fact, this comes throughout the centuries that when a good teacher began to teach in rabbinical uh, custom, they would be seated and they would teach the people. And now Jesus is on the side of the hill or the mountain and he is seated and now he begins to teach those who came to him. One translation called the people who came to him his climbing companions. 
Say that with me. His climbing companions. How many climbing companions do we have here with Jesus today? Uh, I mean, are we really willing to climb? Now, I want to take this morning the message in reverse. Let's put it in reverse. So go with me to the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. It's found in chapter 7. And if you want to follow along with me, this is verse 24. Jesus is fixing to end the entire sermon that goes through three chapters. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these things of mine and does not do them, he will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. So isn't this what we want? I mean, isn't it a life, a family, a business, a whole legacy that's built on the rock? Because when the storm comes, we're going to still be standing? Let me tell you something. Jesus didn't say you might have some tribulation. Jesus didn't say, well, you might have some problems. You might have some challenges in this world. Let me tell you, he said you will have them, but this is the key. At the end of this message, this is how you survive everything. How how many of you know you should be a survivor? You ought to get through every storm of your life. It doesn't mean you don't hurt, you don't cry, you're not wounded, you, you don't have a lot of different feelings, but let me tell you, at the end, you are still standing. And the reason you're standing, because you heard his word, you did them, and you are facing it on a rock-solid foundation. So therefore, whatever comes your way, what comes my way, what comes in our marriage, what comes in our finances, what comes in our health, I can survive that because I heard the word, I did the word, and I am planted on the rock. And if you're not, it's only a matter of time, you're going to get blown away. But he said, if you hear the word, if you do them, then your life is on the rock. So no no external thing can collapse your life. No outside storm can cause you to go down. He said, you will still be standing when the smoke clears. So four things today I want to share with you. Number one, a great life is always uphill. A greater life is always uphill. And some people don't like the uphill life because... A blessed life is always intentional. People don't fall into greatness. They don't fall into prominence. They don't fall into good positions. You don't slide into success. How many of you know it's intentional and it's uphill? Let me tell you, I found out now when I get up in the morning, it's uphill. How about you? Do I have any fellow travelers here that your life feels uphill? Because you don't have to do anything to slide to the bottom. A dead possum can roll to the bottom. But if you're going to go higher, if you're going to go further, if you're going to go with Jesus, you've got to be a climbing companion. A greater life is always uphill. We rise, we lift, we climb. It takes energy, it takes effort. And a happy life is a pursuing life. It's a life that's going forward. It's intentional. It is climbing to an end, to a goal, to a purpose. And a life that is climbing is a good life. And sometimes the process is not good, but the destination is good. And Jesus, if you're going to hear him today, you've got to climb where he's climbing. 
You've got to go where he's going because if you stay by the seashore, if you stay at Capernaum, you're not going to hear the message because he went up on the hill. It's the sermon on the mount, not the sermon in the valley. So if you're going to hear him, you've got to climb with him. Can I hear an amen? I mean, even Paul is telling us this, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. Verse 13, I'm reaching forward to those things that are ahead. Verse 14, I press to the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You know what Paul is saying? I'm still climbing. I'm still pressing. I'm still a climbing companion of Jesus. I'm still going with him. And even at the end of his life, when he has that last letter he writes to Timothy, he knows he's going to die. He knows the Romans are going to cut off his head, but he guess he thinks he's still going to climb. Isn't that good? I don't care how old you are. I don't care where you're at in your stage of life. You ought to still be pressing and climbing and pursuing. I mean, when you're taking your last breath, you know, you still should be gumming this thing to, to keep going forward. Because that's the life that we have. And uh, when you travel with Jesus, sometimes it's uphill, isn't it? And you have to watch who you travel with. Some of you might need to change some uh, traveling partners. Because people are going to either help you or they're going to hurt you. They're going to lift you or they're going to pull you down. And when I got saved, there were some people in my life I had to distance myself from. I loved them. They were my friends. But I wouldn't go in the same direction they were going. And you have to have that mentality. Are we going the same way? Can two walk together unless they be agreed? And so if I'm climbing with Jesus, somebody's not climbing with Jesus, then I have to take that into consideration. Can I hear an amen to that? I mean, it is, it is so true. Uh, here's the second thing that Jesus tells us. A greater life or the blessed life is the emptying out of our lives so we can have more. The, the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount is the emptying out of yourself. Blessed are. I mean, if you look at this, verse number three, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. So if you're poor in spirit, you realize that there are some things that you don't have or the things that you do have, you need to empty your life out from and of. So why do we need to empty our life out? Well, because if I empty myself out, I can have more happiness, more blessedness. I can have more friends, more peace, more fulfillment. And if I have less of me, I can have more of God. Matter of fact, John the Baptist taught us that. He must increase and I must decrease. Let me tell you, the more of me, then the less of God. But the less of me, the more of God. Some people are so full of themselves... Oh, he's starting preaching now. They're so full of themselves, it's hard for God to feel them because they're so full of themselves, they don't have much room for God. And so it's about that emptying. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. So I'm not who I should be. I'm not spiritually where I should be. I'm bankrupt spiritually, bankrupt in my soul. I'm poor in spirit. There's an emptiness in my life, and I need to mourn my sin, mourn my iniquities, mourn my shortcomings, my misgivings, and that is called repentance. And when I empty myself out, then I can be blessed. The meek are blessed, not the arrogant, not the rude, not the proud, 
the pride, the arrogance, the rudeness has to empty out of my life. I'm devoid of righteousness. I'm empty of righteousness, but I need to develop a hunger and thirst for righteousness so I can be filled. But I can't be filled if I'm full of other stuff. I'm about to preach myself happy. The greater inspection, the greater expectation, when I inspect my life to what I'm full of, I have to empty myself out so I can be full. Look at verse 6. It ends with, they shall be filled. Say that with me. They shall be filled. It's difficult to be filled with righteousness if you're filled with other stuff. And you and I need the righteousness of God. In verses 7 through 9, Jesus identifies who we should strive to be and become. Look at verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, they shall be called the sons of God. So this is what he's saying. We should be merciful people who are pure in heart that are peacemakers. That's what he's saying. So it's almost what he's saying by by the help of Almighty God. If you do this, you become that. If you do this, you become that. Sometimes we don't think we can. It's because we don't know who we are. So he says, if you do this, you can become that. And when we become that, we can do this. It's almost like a cycle here. And and many times, we, we certainly don't understand what he's trying to tell us in these first verses on the Sermon of the Mount. Now listen very closely. If we don't understand the first part of the Sermon on the Mount, we don't get the rest of the message. And here's my point. If I don't understand the first part, I can't effectively be salt and light. I I, I can't have a heart that deals with the anger in my life. I can't have the kind of heart that makes me pure and not adulterous. It's the attitude and the tools that I, I get and who I become to have a great marriage. It's that type of word that comes into my life. If I keep that word, I can become a second mile person. It's the kind of person I become when I can love my enemies and pray for my enemies. How many of you know most of us aren't right there yet? We we got a ways. Have you ever wanted to bless your enemy with a brick? Let me share something with you. Um, He said, if you do this, you become that, and when you do this, there's a reward. So every one of these, when he gave, gives the statement, he makes the statement, there's a reward behind it. So Friday, Carrie and I have been working all week, and a lot of times we, we try to go out every week and have a date. And if you don't do that, you should. Um, so Friday, we're, we're going to go out, and she said, would you take the trash out before we go? Sure. So we have a utility room off of our kitchen, washer, dryer. We keep the trash there. There's some, you know, trash cans under the cabinet too. But So I go out to get the trash, and there's a, a, a big toy there that the grandkids have uh, uh, worked on. And <laughs> it, it's in pieces. And there's boxes, and the trash can's full, but it's all piled up together. And so we're dressed to go out, and I, I'm getting ready to take the, the trash out. And as soon as I touch it, it all collapses all over the utility room. I mean, parts of toys go everywhere, boxes go everywhere, paper go everywhere. And I threw the box against the wall, and I said, who in the world stacked this junk? <laughs> now I turn around, and standing between the kitchen and the, uh, 
the utility room. Is Carrie all dressed to go as I make that statement? <laughs> Who in the world stacked this junk as I'm throwing cardboard boxes? So I quietly gather everything up, take it out to the trash cart. I come back in, and uh, she said, have a good time by yourself tonight. There's a reward for everything you do, whether it's good or bad. How many of you are listening to me? She said, have a good time by yourself tonight. I said, what? She said, no, you can go by yourself. This never happens at your house, does it? Y'all are so holy. So it took some charm and charisma and uh, some talking to get her in the car to go with me. So, so, so I'm sharing the story in the first service this morning. You weren't there maybe, but I'm sharing it in the first service. As soon as I did, Brian Fisher came up to me and he said, really, I appreciated that story because he said the other night, he said, I'm in the living room kitchen. They have an open concept and, and Mel's in the kitchen and she's banging pots and pans and making noise. And I said, can you get any louder in there? He said, the rest of our evening did not go well. <laughs> Whatever you sow, that you shall also reap. I'm preaching a lot better than what you think this morning. But anyway, I'm just saying that Jesus is saying, if you do this, you can become that, and you can be blessed and happy, but if you don't want to, you don't have to. Just go on with your ever-loving life and stay in the valley. But if you want to climb the hill with me, I will give you keys to live a blessed, happy life. Or you can go on like you're going. And how many of you know some of us don't need to be going like we're going? So notice this. When we do and become what he desires, there is a promise and a reward. Listen closely. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. For every statement, he said, there is a reward. You do this, you get that. You do this, you become that. You, you, you hear what I say, you become the sons of God. Listen, the kingdom of heaven is yours. You're going to be comforted. You're going to inherit the earth. You're going to be filled. You're going to obtain mercy. You're going to see God. You're going to be called the sons of God. You're going to have the kingdom of heaven. Do what's right, there is a reward. That is in the message. So we're not saying, well, when I get to heaven, maybe he'll reward me. No, how many of you know the mercy of God, the goodness of God, the promises of God are yea and amen here today? Oh, I know there's great glory tomorrow, but how many of you know we need help today? I need to be happy today. I need to be blessed today. Then listen, this is not the world's happiness. The world's happiness is always external. If this happens, I'm happy. But let me tell you, you can be in the middle of the storm and be happy. You can have issues going on in your life and be happy because you have faith in Almighty God. You're going to get through this. I believe the word. I believe what Jesus said. I believe my life is really founded on the rock. And as I believe the word, have faith in the word, I'm going to get through this. 
I don't always know how, but I know the one who does know how, and that's Almighty God. And you and I possess the name above every name, the name that the demons tremble at, and the name that is the name where there is salvation, the word that created the, the everything that we see, and you and I are those people. And in that, we see that God wants to give us a reward when we do what is right. Many of you have read this and heard this. Howard Kelly, a young man, probably in his late teens, he's going through upper Pennsylvania years ago, out in the wilderness, out in the middle of nowhere. He comes on an old farmhouse, and he's thirsty. He doesn't have water. He's been out for a long time. And he knocks on the door, and he asks for water. So there is a young lady, a girl that comes to the door, and he said, could you give me a drink of water? And she goes in, and here he is. He's tired, he's hungry, he's thirsty. And she brings him a big, cold glass of milk. Listen, if you're hungry, milk is good. And he, he said, well, can I pay you for that? She said, oh, no, I was taught that, you know, you, you give when people have a need. And so years later, this young lady grows up. She develops a very severe medical problem. She needs to have an operation uh, from that rural area in the middle of nowhere. They send her to Baltimore, Maryland, to John Hopkins uh, University. John Hopkins Hospital is one of the greatest hospitals in the world. And they find a surgeon that can take care of her condition, keep her life going. And, you know, if you have ever had a huge medical problem, there's several things that you ask. You know, uh, can they help me? Uh, am I going to be ever the same again? Uh, will I survive the surgery? And how much is this going to cost? Has anyone ever had those feelings? And so she has the operation, and she, she, she's doing good. Her health is restored. She gets the bill, and at the bottom of the bill, it says, paid in full by one cold glass of milk. Because the surgeon who did the surgery on this young lady years later was one of the founders of John Hopkins University, who was Howard Kelly, who got the glass of milk years ago. Whatever you sow, that shall you also reap. There is a reward for doing things that are right. And, and you don't always see it immediately, do you? You know what we wish, that I do something good and boom, I get the reward. No, sometimes it has to accrue interest. Sometimes it's delayed. Sometimes it's not immediate. So young people, as you march to a different drum beat as you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes we wish everything would change immediately, but let me tell you, throughout eternity, it's, it's a life changer. It's a forever life changer when you serve Jesus Christ. So when you do what is right, there's reward. And here's the last thing, number four, when you are becoming what you should become, when we're becoming what we should be, everyone will not like it. Everyone will not like it. Um, verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Not everybody's glad that you're pursuing righteousness. Do you see what he said? He said, you're going to be persecuted for it. H have you ever tried to be in the office and live a godly life? Not everybody likes it. 
If you ever tried to go to school and you're the student that's trying to live for God, the other students don't like it. Are, are you in a family that maybe you're trying to do what's right? Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're trying to serve God. Everybody around you won't like it because your light begins to show their darkness. We say that again. Your light shows their darkness. Your salt really defines their unsavory world. But yet you are the witness. You're the light here. You're the salt here. And this is what Jesus is saying in this Sermon on the Mount. He says when you contrast with other people, they're not going to like it. Matter of fact, some are not just not going to like it. They're going to persecute you for it. And some of you are going to be killed because you are pursuing righteousness. Because you listened and you heard what I said and you're going to live this out. You're going to become the person you want to be and the world is going to hate you for it. Because you're contrasting their life. Here you're trying to live righteous and they're living in unrighteousness. You're for life, they're for death. I mean, you're, you're for what is good and they're for evil. And they're not going to like you. Matter of fact, some of them are going to hate you and some of you are going to be killed because you're trying to live a righteous life. Not everybody likes that you're living for God. Let me say that again. Not everybody likes that you're living for God. Not everybody likes that we have a church. Not everybody likes that we have a group of people here trying to serve the Lord. Matter of fact, you, you see it in culture, you see it in media, you see it in motion pictures, you see it on television, you see it in politics. When you try to stand for what is right, there's always going to be another force opposing you. I mean, there, there, there are movies that, that I choose not to see and, uh, because I don't think they fulfill righteousness. There are televisions that I tend not to watch because I don't think they fulfill righteousness. There are commercials that make me upset because I don't think they fulfill righteousness. And I talk back to the TV. But there's a whole world that likes it. So, so you're going to have a stand. You're going to have a philosophy. You're going to have a biblical doctrine. You're going to have a mindset that it's going to be godly, and everybody's not going to follow your lead. They're not going to follow your thinking, and certainly not going to follow the Word of God. And your thinking and your philosophy should come from the Word of God because that's the only place it should come from. Because guess what? I don't want to burst your opinion and, and, and your, uh, your faith in your opinion, but your opinion really doesn't matter. And neither does mine. Because when I stand in judgment, you stand in judgment, Almighty God is not going to say, well, what's your opinion about this, Mike? You know, you know how he's going to judge us? By his word. And so Jesus is saying, if you follow me up the mountain, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to teach you, and here's the first fully recorded sermon of Jesus. This, as we said, some say it's the Christian manifesto. It's the life that lives the life that God likes in a pagan world, if you listen to me, I don't care what comes against you, in the end, you're going to survive. And you're going to stand. And in the end, you're going to be victorious. You're going to be more than a conqueror. Boy, that is pretty exciting, isn't it? Because salt and light do clash with unsavory and dark people. The meek do clash with the arrogant and the rude. Righteousness and unrighteousness really are in opposition one to another. Merciful and kind people live different than unmerciful and cruel people. Peacemakers and warmongers are not alike. Those who want to argue, criticize, and debate are different than those who want unity, peace, and calm. How, how many of you know those are all diametrically opposed? 
And so therefore, I have to climb with Jesus, and if everybody doesn't want to climb with me and go their own way, that's up to them. But listen, I've got to pursue Jesus, and you've got to pursue Jesus. So let me leave you with this. I mean, how, how do we live a victorious life? How, how do we go forward and live as Jesus gave in this sermon? Well, here is one crucial thing is that we have to realize that Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sin. Sin had to be dealt with. Sin had to be paid for. You couldn't pay for it. I couldn't pay for it. Jesus paid the penalty for sin. But therefore, if I crucify my flesh, then I have power over the sin. He paid the penalty for it, and I don't want to have any power of sin in my life that captivates me. And neither do you. And now Jesus saying, if you hear my words, let me stop here, hearing's not enough. Let's hear the rest of the story. If you hear my words and do them, no matter what comes your way, you're a survivor. If you hear my words and do them, nothing's gonna knock you off your foundation. If you hear my words and do them, then you are always gonna be victorious. Oh, there are gonna be moments you're gonna wonder. Maybe a little fear might creep in, but let faith push that fear out. I am on that rock. He ends the message, you are founded on the rock and no storm, no rain, no wind can blow you off of it. You see, if you wanna survive in this sermon, Jesus tells you how. If you want to be victorious in this sermon, Jesus tells you how. If you want to have a good marriage, Jesus tells you how. If you want to be a merciful person, Jesus tells you how. If you want to be a second mile person, Jesus tells you how. If you want to know how to deal with your enemies, Jesus tells you how. I don't have to go to the library. I don't have to get on TED Talks, nothing wrong with those things. I just have to read what Jesus said and believe what he said and do what he says. And he says, okay, Mike, you are going to live a victorious life. Not that everything's going to be perfect, but you're going to live a great life. You're going to be blessed and you're going to be happy. And let me tell you, there's a lot of good in being blessed and being happy. Bow your head. Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your love, your compassion. And thank you for your gift of eternal life that you gave at the cross for all of us. As your head's bowed, your eyes closed, let me ask you a couple of very quick questions and then we're going to slip out of here, but this is very important. How many of you would be so very honest and brave to say, Pastor Mike, I need to listen to the words that were spoken today and do them because I need Jesus Christ in my life. So if you have never come to Christ or maybe you've drifted away, would you just slip your hand up and say, Brother Mike, I want to be a climber with Jesus. Thank you. Is there somebody else? Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to wait just for one more minute. If you want to be a climber with Jesus, if you want to make heaven your home, would you just slip your hand up and say, Pastor Mike, thank you, thank you. 
Now, one last question before we leave. Jesus didn't say the storm might come. He said it would come. He didn't say you might have tribulation. He said you would have it. Carrie and I and all of you, we all know, this world is not our home. We are just a passing through. And things happen here with kids, with death, with difficulties, with divorce, with health issues, financial issues. And I would love to tell you how to avoid every one of them, but I don't know how. But this is what I do know. If you'll listen to Jesus, you'll get through every storm in your life. Every storm. Because you're on the rock. Now, if you're in a storm today, and I've been in a lot of them, I want to pray for you. If there's an issue in your life, if you're in a storm, right now, and I'm going to lift my hand be the first one. If you've got a storm in your life, if you're in a difficult situation, just lift it up. Go ahead. I got mine up. Mine was up before yours. Just lift it up and say, I'm in a situation. I need some help. Going through some stuff. Need some help. Wind's blowing. Rain's coming. Feels like flooding. Need some help. But here's the good news. We have a helper. We have a helper. The Lord is our helper. And he sent the helper in our life. Thank you so much. I'm going to ask the people who are helping us pray today, our prayer team, to come up and just stand around the front. And if you lifted your hand for any reason, if you want to accept Christ today, we want to pray for you. If you want to rededicate your life to Christ, we want to pray for you. If you're going through a storm, some difficulty, we want to pray for you. So right now, let's all stand together. If you raised your hand for any reason or if you did not, I want you to be so bold and courageous. Step out of your seat, your pew, up in the cascade section. I want you to come and stand right here. Come on, all over the house. Let's give them a hand, church. Come on. Let's be the church this morning. We're going to pray for them. Come on up here. We got people coming from all over the house. We're going to wait till they get here, then we're going to ask you to help them pray. Anybody else? People are still coming. People are still coming. How many of you know, it's been said many times, that the church is not a museum for the saints. It's a hospital for the sinners. And we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Would you come and help us pray? There are people up here. Could, could you put your hand on their shoulder? Could you stand next to them? Could you let them know they're not by themselves today? Come on, let's be the church. Just a moment of prayer, of encouragement, to stand with someone, to be with them, to pray with them. Thank you so much for sharing your faith and your love and your commitment for those who've come this morning. Come on, all to the house. Let's pray together. Put your faith, stretch out your hand toward them, and let's ask for the Lord to help them. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus. God, you see what we face. You see our difficulties. Whether it's health, finances, marriage, children, grandchildren, Whatever we face, whatever wind's blowing, whatever rain is descending, whatever flood is rising, you are our God. You're the mighty God. And you have given us a promise in your word, and we believe it by faith that we will survive because we are on the rock that does never fail. The stable rock, the foundational rock, 
Jesus, of who you are in our life. You are the Lord, you are the Savior, you are the one that we call out on the name of Jesus. Father, bless each person here today. Encourage their hearts. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. Let faith arise. Let them believe your word to change their life. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Before we leave today, I, I want to invite you to be back tonight at 6 o'clock. And for some of you, maybe you started your fast, your, your time of prayer and fasting today. And j just take that need. Just, just take that desire. Lord, this week, let me climb a little bit higher with you. That issue in my life, Lord, I'm believing you're going to change that thing because I'm founded upon who you are and you're great in my life. How many believe the church is going to grow and people are going to come to find the real answer of blessedness and happiness, and that's Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. God bless you. I love you. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.